Well, the boss called me up and said, come in to work. I just hung up on that slave-driving jerk. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. Well, you'd think I'd rather be sweating on a dock or watching somebody use a hammerlock. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Episode 19 of the Total B She Show. Chris, Whoa. is that normally what you say? Yeah, gimmick infringement. Though. Yeah, I stole it. Um, good to have you here today, pal. Thank you for having me here. I am always here. Uh, yes, it's Labor Day, and normally I was going to take the day off and go to the pool, and you did say, hey, we could do a B-She's long weekend like we did for Canada Day, and for some reason I had some work ethic that I normally don't have, and I was like, no, let's get together and B-She's, and I, I did have a guest lined up, and he's a pretty good guest, yep. but I thought, you know what? It's Labor Day. We're not Jerry Lewis, the Jerry Lee Lewis, what was it, Jerry Lewis Telethon? No. Oh, uh, no, Jerry. Jerry's kids. Yeah, Jerry's kids, yeah. Jerry Lewis? Jerry Lewis. The Labor Day, yeah, we're not a Labor Day telethon here. Send money, send money. <laughs> hey, ring those phones, ring those phones. Do you know what I did last week or this past week? I uh, went to Backstreet Boys. You did? How I was went it? to the Backstreet Boys and you know what? It was like nine, I used to use Backstreet's back. Well, I was trying, the promoter, Ernie Todd was trying to turn me heel and the crowd that he was trying to turn me heel in front of was a big, like, kid. It was all Young. little girls. And so I didn't want to turn heel. So I, I went to the Music Man, and I knew if you used a top 10 song, that they'd cheer for the song. They, doesn't, they weren't, weren't necessarily cheering for me. So I go, and the, and the Music Man says, oh, I've already got music for you. And I said, no, no, no. Wrestlers choose their music. I'm yeah. This is my music, which is... If I'm the promoter, I choose the music, but I wasn't going to let Ernie Todd choose my music because I knew he was going to rib me. So I used Backstreet's back, and boy, did I get a pop. I <laughs> bet. And then he was like, oh, it's going to be hard to turn you baby face or turn you heel. You're such a baby face. No, I just outsmarted the promoter who was trying to turn me heel. So you didn't get heat from it? No, oh. no. Because you know what? When a guy gets a pop, like in, in the mind of Ernie Todd, who I was cutting the promo on, he was already in the ring. All he, he thought, oh, look at that heat, right? And he thought, he, oh, we'll just work harder to turn your heel. It never worked. It was a bad, it was a bad casting. But uh, Backstreet Boys, they danced like it was 1997. And you know what's ridiculous? If I go to Tim McGraw or Keith Urban and they play a song that was popular in the early 2000s, they don't act like it's early 2000s. They deliver it with their same panache yeah, that's true. Yeah. of 2022, but not the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> they put on, their costuming was uncoordinated. Their dancing was, like, guys wouldn't dance like that in this day and age. Right? right, and if girls are enjoying guys dancing like that, all the power to you, and and all if guys are willing to dance like that, all the power to you. But it would look out of place in today. If I, if I went to the world famous Palomino Club, where the Backstreet Boys had their post game party or post event party, and they performed there, Scotty Townsend, our friend, was there. And if I went to the Palomino Club with say Jeez Wheeze and Sean Brown, and we got up and started dancing like that, people would think we were weird. Well, I think from the Backstreet Boys, though, you expect that it. it's part of their shtick, right? You, well, you, you, you want them to dance like it's the early 2000s. No, can your shtick not evolve? No, no, you're, you're, you're thinking about you. you. The Backstreet Boys are there to make the jiggly mom bellies. No, that's un, not what this crowd was. Undulate with excitement. Yeah, there was a lot of young women at this concert. Like, it was a chick haven. And the thing is, there's a reason why none of those guys made it solo. 
right? Like right. Justin Timberlake from NSYNC made it solo and became a bigger star. But none of the Backstreet Boys did because they're too... It's like... A, it's almost like Michael Hayes never made it without the Freebirds. Right. Right? So Michael Hayes is like a Backstreet Boys to me. And Michael Hayes probably could have been a Backstreet Boy. <laughs> I don't know about that, but yeah. Dude, dude, dude. Um, but anyway, I went to Backstreet Boys. It was a great time. What did you do this week? Anything of note, like a Backstreet Boys concert or anything that's going to make me sell? Absolutely nothing okay. of note. Nothing okay. of note. I, I've been, uh, I was sick at the end of last week, which was not great and sort of carried over into the week. And then I injured myself. So I've been sort of laying low. Was it COVID? No, it was the not Diarrhea? COVID. Sure. Okay. Yeah, it was something stomach-related. I think it was actually food poisoning. I hate stomach-related yeah. illness. You have to always be close to the crapper. It's it's not fun. And a drug a drug on. So And then, then I hurt my lower back somehow. I have no idea how. So I've been kind of, uh, you know, just taking care of myself. So last week we had Steve Stryker on, and he was really good. Yeah, I really loved having that conversation. And Dave Cote asked a question, and I answered it, but I thought more about it after. So Dave, I know you have a question later. But I wanted to revisit it. And he said to me, or it was to me. Yes. From having my relationship to the CFL, what sort of things I thought local or independent wrestling could learn from the CFL. And I thought about this a lot. Would Zach Caleros work a merchandise table at the concourse of a Winnipeg Blue Bomber game? No, because even if he was hurt, you would not, your quarterback is on the sidelines offering insight and support to his teammates. Right. So Zach Caleros is never going to work a merchandise table. And for those listeners in the States, Zach Caleros is the starting quarterback for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And he's probably the best quarterback in the league. Maybe the kid in BC might have something to say about that. So I know the merch table debate. I had a wrestler say I was 12 years out of touch. Yeah. 2010 is come and gone. Your, your, your ideas are 12 years out of touch. Your viewpoints. And it, I know it stemmed mostly from my take on wrestlers working the merch table to sell stuff. Okay, here's what you would have to do if the vision is to grow the business, right? And right now, I'm going to take CWE as an example. They are well run. I'm not going to argue that. Their business model works for them. They travel a lot. They have a lot of shows. They book in a lot of big name talent, right? They've got Hernandez coming from LAX, formerly of TNA. Okay, so here's what I would think. If I would, if, if Danny Warren came to me and said, Mike, I want to, I want you to be a consultant. Here's the deal. And I, if I was going to take it, I'm going to give you this advice for free, Danny, because I love you. Here's what I would do. I would identify all of the revenue streams possible, right? From sponsorship. Now you run everywhere from Alberta, BC, all the way to Quebec in, yep. in your heyday. And now you're, you know, you might not be back to your pre-COVID heyday, but that's where you want to get. So you should be able to identify national sponsors and chains that may want to tie into you, like WestJet tied into the Canadian Professional Soccer League. Yeah. Right? CPL, I think it's called. Anyway, so WestJet and a -a rent-a-car company and Boston Pizza and these chains, you have to go and you have to present them with, hey, we're going to be... We want a relationship to associate ourselves with your business in every city we're going to. So it's, it's a, a relationship. It's not a one-show sponsorship. It's an actual year-long relationship. Then you take the money you get from those sponsors and you invest in producing better television. CWE is one of the yep. culprits of putting out YouTube television that is not nearly as good as it could be, right? They're not, they're not investing in their venue enough. 
or whatever it is. Like I know Scott Carnegie at Media Circus is the TV producer and he's as good as it gets. So it's obviously something else. You can invest some of that money into talent, but identify relationships with your sponsors, five of them, and try to get them to give you a significant amount for the year, like 25,000 for the year. That gives you 125,000 to then invest into better television, right? Then find a carrier for your TV, even if it's the Fight Network, which you know, might be out there. It's owned by impact like, uh, David, uh, yeah. Leonard Asper, but it, you might be able to get a relationship there. There is enough carriers in Canada where if you produce a program, that's good enough, they will carry you. Right. I, I know that to be the case. You might not get paid for it, but if you have the relationship to your sponsors, you might be able to just do a barter deal, but I digress. That's one step. So now when you would be on TV in more markets, it will make it easier when you go there to sell the tickets. Theoretically, it will be go easier to draw in better talent that wants to work your TV. So that, that would be my step is identify five national chains that you're going to use, that you're going to buy stuff from West jets, uh, car, uh, rental car, hotel chain, Boston pizza, and whoever old Dutch potato chips sure. would be a good one. Cause they're Canadian and they're Winnipeg. Um, okay. So well, wait, before you move on from there, because I know a lot of people are going to be here. You say things like WestJet, old Dutch, and they'd be like, come on, like be realistic. It absolutely is realistic. It is. You have to go for it with those types of things. One time when I was in Saskatchewan, I actually tried to get my bowling team sponsored by Tropicana juice yep. because we were called the tropics. Yeah. And I sent them a letter and I, you know, I included some humor, blah, blah, blah. And they ended up sending us like... Not much, like a couple hundred bucks or whatever. Yeah, but they still sent it. And Tropicana is a gigantic exactly. You know, but the, you, you know, if you if you give them a good presentation, and you know, in my case, I was like, I'm going to throw in some jokes into this letter, and so, you know, it's, I'm going to make it fun. Yeah, because I, it's not a serious thing. I really didn't believe they were ever going to do it, but I presented it like I believed they would, and they they so, did give us some money. So in your case, you took a shot in the dark. Yeah, and they probably forwarded it to the region, some guy in the region that you in of Saskatchewan. And he was like, I got an extra couple hundred dollars in the budget. I can, I'll just send them a check because they were going to buy brand loyalty from you. Absolutely. Right. So in the case of CWE, if they raise their profile and it's only in how your, how your approach and your package is, trust me, CFL, like I see some of the sponsors, the bombers get, and I see some of the spot, like it, it is, it is out there to be gotten, but you have to raise your profile, but the amount of markets he runs and how many times and, 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 it's if you can't dazzle, dazzle them with substance, baffle them with be she's right. Right. You're telling them what you're a lot of times it's what you're, what you believe you're going to reach as an audience, not what you actually reach. You don't say, Hey, we're drawing a hundred people or 200 people in Calgary. You say over the course of a year in six events in Calgary, we draw over 2000 people, but we reach a, a wider range with our TV show. Right. So then they're saying, Oh, they have presence in Calgary and Vancouver, yeah. all those places. So, you identify your five sponsors and you go after them, but you don't go after them on your show, on your, on your show approach where you're asking for $500 and they're going to be involved with one show. You're asking them for a one year relationship and you're painting a picture of what that relationship would be. So you do that. And now you have 125,000 extra dollars to invest in, in, into television, which will raise your profile, which is what you need to do. That way you can expose people to your program with a much better broadcast entity than what you've put out on YouTube, which might be good matches, but if the presentation isn't great, it's going to suffer. People are going to say it's low budget. Yeah. Okay. So that's the first thing. The next thing is 
in identifying the the revenue that you need to have control of. You need to take the the wrestlers and you have to have a better partnership. And what that is, could you imagine if, and I'm going to use Zach Kaleros again, if part of Zach Kaleros making big money was that he had to go up and shill merch in order to yeah. make the money, he wouldn't be focused on football. He'd no. be worried about selling more merch. Definitely. So what you should do is say, okay, guys, I'm going to take the initiative to market the personalities to make more revenue. And I know you're going to think I'm taking money out of your pocket when I do this, but you are now going to receive more per show based on the amount of revenue coming in. Cause I'm going to share that revenue. I am obviously going to take a piece because I'm the one who drew the fans to the show. It, I took the risk. I promoted the event. If the event has 50 people, I lose. But if the event has 500 people, we all win. Yes. Right. So now the wrestler should see it as, okay, the promoter wants to start drawing three or four or 500 people. I will give up my piece of, of that big piece of revenue with the belief I'm going to get a guarantee of extra hundred or $150. Right. So you now should bring in the revenue to you first and cut the wrestlers in based on a percentage of what they sell. Wrestlers should be willing to do that. Now, Fans are going to say, hey, but we like being able to come in and have Autograph yeah. Alley before the show and after the show. You make that a sponsored presentation at every show. The Boston Pizza Autograph Alley, part of your five sponsorships, yep. one of them gets the Autograph Alley, and you make that a part of the post-game presentation. So, fan, so you're going to start your show early. You're going to get it done fast, two-hour presentation or less, hour 45, and immediately after there's post-game Autograph Alley, guys come out and sign merch that was bought, and, they, and it doesn't have to be merch that's bought. You participate because it's sponsored. Yes. And it helps branding the wrestler and the company, right? So the problem is, is everybody thinks about the dollar they want. Every it, Independent wrestling is very, very bad for harvesting an, ad, an appetite and attitude of, I want to grab for the dollar I can get, as opposed to a bigger collective dollar. And they have to think bigger collective dollars. Yes. Because Mentalo can go out there and sell, and I always use a Mentalo. Rob Stardom can go out there and sell $75 to $100, $150 at the merch table, and he's happier than anybody. But if the company can raise their profile and generate more dollars from sponsorship and then the sale of the merchandise yeah. using the Hawker system, it helps better. When there's more collective dollars, it flows down to the wrestlers better. So that would be a healthier business model now, right? Another thing I would do if I was the CWE is I would raise, by raising the profile of my broadcast entity, I would do a distribution deal with Fight TV, but my deal would be, I want to be paid $1.50 for every view. Yep. But what I'm going to do for you to get that $1.50 per view is every independent show I run all over Canada is I'm going to promote the downloads of your app, right? Yes. So now you're going to give me $1.50 per view for the entire year, but I'm going to give you an extra 5,000 people downloading your app. Now it's your job to monetize those 5,000 people. It's my job to get those 5,000 people to watch my show. So I'm getting 5,500 uh, five, yeah, five, it'd be 7,500 7, for every dollar yeah. 50 I got per view. Now they might not do a dollar 50 per view, right? But they should, they should be able to sell an advertisement attached to it based on the amount of views you're getting. That's their world, but they should be willing to pay you per, per, uh, download. 
Well, because it beca- they they would be able to do it too, because it becomes a, an issue of marketing now. Now they are. This is a marketing thing they're doing. It's not that they're just firing some money off to some promotion. Now it's a partnership. Th- it's a partnership, and they can also not write it off, but let's just say write it off as marketing. Yeah. It's a marketing expense rather than just a sponsorship. Yeah. So I'm giving you this in ten or fifteen minutes. I feel bad for Danny Duggan because if he listens to this, he's going to be writing like a madman. And he <laughs> or, might think, or rolling his eyes. And he might think it's impossible. But to answer Dave Cote's question better that he asked last week, I've just given you a model that's more like professional sports. And when you present it more like professional sports, sponsors will take you serious and fan base will take you serious. And now let's go to the debate of dollars per ticket. Now you, because you're taking it more seriously, theoretically $22 seems a lot more realistic. The Canadian professional soccer league is charging $21 for the cheap seats. Um, Gold Eyes Baseball, which I think is American Association of Baseball, I think they're charging $12 to $15 per ticket. You have to think, where does CWE rank in there? And I'm using them as a guinea pig. I feel bad. Danny, please don't take offense to this. But how do they rank in there compared to WWE or C or, or AEW? And I think the way that... So Danny will bring in a guest star from... One guest star? So that would almost like one guest star from WWE or TNA or, or Impact. I would almost think that one guest star is like 20% or 30% of what a fan oh, thinks the, they're getting yeah. when they go to WWE. So the problem I've always said with, with independent promoters is that they only market to their marketplace, right? The hardcores will pay $22. They will pay $25 because they're supporting, they have a kinship to independent wrestling. They believe that they are the lifeblood. They are the heartbeat of independent wrestling is the hardcore fans that want to support it. You got to get more of them. You got to generate, you got to generate an interest level to a whole new group instead of that being 250 in a market or 200 or 500. You want that, if you can get that up to 1,000 or 1,500 or 5,000, your attendance will go up exponentially. Yes. So that's what I am saying. Now, I'm so out of touch. It's not 2010 anymore. But that's what I was trying to do in 2010. I tried to do it in 2002. It wasn't easy at that time with with WFX. I'll talk about that another time because I went on about it for a couple of weeks and people want me to tell more about WFX and I will, but with WFX, what we were, our problem was, is that we were producing in Canada, but we were broadcasting in the States. So we were pitching American companies, Expedia, Travelocity, Rockstar Energy Drinks, which we were producing through the, or we were pitching through the Canadian office. Um, But we, we, we didn't have the penetration in Canada to go to Old Dutch or go to Boston Pizza, who were in our backyard to talk to. So that's where we had challenges, but as we were growing very quickly, we were having those discussions. Danny already has the markets that he should, they will take him serious when he, when he sends his kit and he he puts all the cities he runs and how many times he runs and how many fans. The other thing is when he says we, we, our events over the course of the year are in front of 18,650 or however much the ad addition would be of X amount of dates against 300 people. Right you put a big number as a grand total of how many fans saw that, even though there's repetitive fans. And all of a sudden those people who are making sponsorship decisions, they raise an eyebrow and they go, Hey, this isn't that expensive. Yeah. 
And we're getting penetration in all these markets. Well, and you have an opportunity for a lot of things that, that aren't being done as well, like uh, leave behinds, for example, on the on the seats of the chairs. I don't see that being done anymore. It, that's a great thing to do. Yeah. I mean, it's still very effective. People don't get that that's an effective thing in this day and age, Well, but it works. Or what you do is through autograph, autograph Alley is it's the Boston Pizza poster of whoever's signing. Yeah. Right? So it's not, a, it's not a leave behind where it's just a flyer for a company. You've actually integrated a co-promotion into it right so it's funny because people are going to say like wow he makes it sound so simple why doesn't danny hire him i'm not i don't want to be hired but in 15 minutes i've given you a, a roadmap and nobody has thought of this or thought it was too hard or didn't explore it it wouldn't be that hard cwe is the one that could do it because they have the markets if you're only running one city or one town or five times a year Everything I said is all foreign language, but Danny Warren could do it. Danny Duggan could do it. It's time because you would, you would be very successful if you did. Well, another thing that's not, not really being done and I'm not, I'm not going to pick on anybody specifically, but I've noticed with a lot of indie promotions that they are not acting as if, which is something that I always say, act as if. So act as if you are the show, act as if this is a big deal. I think they do that. Oh no, I don't think they do. I, I think th- they do that to their own detriment. Really? Yeah. See, I think I think it's the other way around. I I see it like I see the guys sitting out in the crowd watching yeah. matches. I see them, you know, milling around with the fans afterwards, yeah. and it just doesn't feel like they're acting as if. Yeah. So to expand on that, act as if you are the big league. Exactly. Right. Okay. The problem is in their head, they are the big league. A lot of times, yeah. the, and I say it's I call it pride of ownership. Independent promoters. And I don't think Danny is guilty of this, but there are no, no. some who are like, hey, we're, we're, we're striving to be big league and we're, we're this or we're that. And they're delusional in what they actually are, right? Proof that they don't actually believe that is when they run a, a 150 or 200 seat yep. venue. You don't believe in yourself. If you, if you, if you open business thinking you're only going to have 200 customers, like an independent wrestling show that runs every two months. Can you sustain a business on 200 customers? No. No, you shouldn't be able to. You should want to grow to 500 customers. and You should always be trying to grow bigger and bigger. One good note, good note on that is 3D Pro Wrestling moved from the 200-seat venue at Osborne. Yep. They're now going to try to do um, the, theater, the um, theater on Osborne. What is that called? Park Theater? Park Theater. That's yes. it. And that's about a 500-seat venue. That's so, a great venue, too, for wrestling. I don't know if it is. It's got a sloped floor, man. No, I've wrestled there. It was good. When did you wrestle there? Way back. Like, so you were on the stage, I guess. Yeah. Because they had, they'd taken out the fixed seating. So yeah. if they're going to do it on the stage, I don't think it's going to be that good because it's only fans on one side. Yeah. I, I'm not I'm not sure what their plans are who for ran that. Who ran Park Theater when you, ran it, when you worked it? It was a spot show, and I believe... Who was the boss? Who gave you your payoff? Well, did you I, get paid? I believe, yeah, I got paid. I believe Danny was running it for somebody else. I might be misremembering though. How? What year? Like two thousand and four, three or four. And you're sure it was the Park Theater? It was. Oh, I might be. Consi- oh, I'm. I think you, I'm thinking you, Ellis Theater. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Because I was like, no. <laughs> I know the wrestling's been there before. Yeah, Ellis Theater. They did run Park and Theater though. Uh, they, the, the Park uh, Theater's sh- become Sher- the, the and- Sherry Martell show was there. Her last appearance was Park Theater. Are you sure that wasn't doubles? No, I'm pretty sure that was 
the Park Theater. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna argue, but I thought it was doubles. But anyway, it might be doubles. So I might anyway, be, it's but... a 500 seat venue. Yeah. So good luck. Hope you sell it out. But you're running. Here's another thing. How much time do I have? You got as much time as you want. Okay. So here's another thing. This pet peeve. I don't know if they knew they did it, but they did it, and now it's gonna be a little bit dicey. 3D is running their show October 29th at the Park Theater, and so is Primos running Deer Lodge and around Comic Con on the 29th. So head to head. Yeah. So I don't know what the market split is. If they both have fan bases of 200 and they're completely independent of each other. Okay, guys, let's start to work together to make the fan base not have to pick and choose, right? Yeah, and it would not be a bad idea for the promoters in the city to have a group thread to sort of say, hey, we're looking at running this. Yeah, I I know that that's, in some people's minds, that's counterproductive or perhaps it's not like we're not turning the screws to anybody, but I think it's good for everybody if they all sort of have their own market share and they don't run head to head like this, for example, like, cause I see primos and I see 3d pro wrestling and everybody else basically all vying for the same. Well, yeah, they're all vying for the same fan base. So now they've split their dollars. Both of them have. Yeah. And I mean, 3d pro seems to have a pretty good solid fan base that that's going to come. Primos is, I mean, they've been around, but they're really just starting up again as yeah, a, post-COVID. As a heavy duty, you know. I don't know if it's heavy duty. I, I, nobody's well, he, impressed upon me. He's running heavy a, he's duty. Run, no, but when they're running bi-monthly, if you have to draw two hundred fans bi-monthly, you. I think it's uh, how many tickets a day? Well, this would be three monthly, tickets though, a day it be for Primo. No, Primo isn't running September. I don't think. Oh, yeah, you're right. They just they're had not. No Way Jose, yeah. and I don't think they're running until the Bollywood boys are in. Yeah, I think you're right. Yes. Yeah, they, so they're going to run six times a year, and they're going to try to draw only 200 fans, and it's well, they the might same be, 200. They, they might be ramping up as well. Marketing to their same people. you got to increase your market. And same with 3D. They're going to try it. It's going to be interesting. Um, I'm not I'm not a proponent. See, but when I promoted, I remember when we were running PCW and Bobby J was bringing to talk in cause it was called Aboriginal summer games right. at the time. I don't know if they would switch it to indigenous now and it was at the forks and I, I love Bobby, but this was one of those things we were running. We had just run uh boiling point with the Legion of doom. And then he called his show summer heat and uh, he brought to talk in and then he wrote a blog saying, you know, people ask me if I think I'm a genius because I brought in Tatanka for Aboriginal Summer Games. It's just common sense. And then he draw he drew hundred maybe, and then we drew three hundred because yeah. we were a week after Boiling Point. And I think we, I think uh, Shellcross will remember this better, but I think we called it Beat the Summer Heat just to screw with them. Yes, we're head to head the same night. We were later than them. All their all their crew came over to watch the show, and that's when we. TRCW and PCW, that's when I knew we'd won the war because guys like Rob Stardom started saying, and Ryan Wood started saying, hey, can I get booked? Yeah. And they were huge Bobby J. Loyalists. Um, but it was a head-to-head that we won that night, but we it was our regular weekly venue, and he was running our night. We weren't going to move or change. We were on the... We were on the the victory path after the LOD show, of course, people were going to come, you know, we had just marketed to 1200 people the week before. So, okay, Mike. So we're going to talk a little bit more about independent professional wrestling. We're going to have a palate cleanser first, but right now I think we're going to take a break. 
This episode of the Total Bees Cheese Show is powered by FirstRow.ca, Canada's online collectible store where you'll find the coolest sports cards, autographs from your favorites, action figures, and of course, wrestling collectibles galore. As a loyal Total Bees Cheese Show listener, you can get 10% off your order using the code Bees Cheese. Again, the code is B E E Z. S-H-E-E-Z, one word, and receive 10% off your order. Firstrow.ca, Canada's online collectible store. Hey, this is Mr. Beefy Goodness Vance Savada, the author of Uncontrolled Chaos, Canada's remarkable professional wrestling legacy. You may have heard me on episode 17, and you're listening to the Total Bees She's Show. All right, I thought we were moving on, but we have one more follow-up point. Mike, he just he was renting his collar. He was getting upset because <laughs> I cut him off. All no. right, Mike, what do you got? So, okay, getting back to my point of five different of the five sponsors and building up big. So back in the 80s in territory wrestling, there was so much depth of star power on your roster. I'm going to take Texas as an example. Von Erichs and, and the Freebirds were built on hatred yep. and people believed it. So they came and they, they cheered on the Von Erichs and they hated the Freebirds. So heels, big tip here, be hated. When I go to a football game, I work at a lot of them, but I love my bombers and I hate the opponent. Just for tonight, yep. we have to win, so we have to hate you. Heels, you got to generate some hate. But in the 80s, so when world class was at its best, think of what was underneath. So you had Freebirds versus Von Eric or Von Eric's on top. Then you had Gino Hernandez and Chris Adams, yep. two great heels. You had the Fantastics. You had the Midnights. You had the Rock and Roll Express, I believe, at that time. Maybe not. Maybe it was the Fantastics. You had so they ran with a crew of maybe twelve guys, or but they had so much star power. Same thing with Stampede. They had. Uh, Owen Hart and Muck and Sing on top. And then they had uh, Steve DeSalvo and they had Jason the Terrible and they had Jerry Morrow and they had Kerry Brown and they had Rip Rogers and they had um, like Bruce Hart and Brian Pillman and Chris Benoit. So there was so much guy. So one thing I think the independent promoters really need to do is identify how to get the talent over creatively and from a marketing standpoint, don't make it up to TJ Cannon to get himself over in marketable yeah. or Mentalo or AJ as a promoter. Hey, I'm going to invest in the photo of in the photo shoot for you. I'm going to invest in the graphics for you. WFX did this and it worked. And I understand you're going to work for other promoters. All I ask is that when you need a promo picture, I'm going to select from my photo shoot, which ones you're allowed to use for other promoters. And I'm going to choose which ones you're only using for me. And if another promoter uses the one I'm using, I'm going to politely ask that promoter to use this one instead, yes. right? Because I'm going to invest the money to make you more marketable, but not for his show, for my own show, right? Invest in that, invest in the video package, invest in, you know, who did that last week? I, he released a video and it looked like it was Hollywood, heavy metal, top talent yep. wrestling, uh, pro wrestling or top talent wrestling Academy in Alberta. I don't understand it, 
but this guy gets it more than every other wrestler in Canada. And I bow down to you, Justin, you're doing it perfectly. His, he's got professional photography, a professional movie. It looks it, cinematographer. What's that word? Cinematographer. Yeah, that, there you go. Cin- whatever the word is. <laughs> and, uh, he has this video and we're going to share it on the total B. She's social media. It, he is doing it right. Right now, as a wrestling promoter, I want to do that for more talent to help produce them based on the creative that I see them generating the most audience reaction. Right. So work. That's all the partnership I'm saying. Collectively work together to make your product better. Right. I know AJ Sanchez is going to work CWE and Can-Am and wherever else 3D and and Winnipeg Pro. But if you're, if, and we use CWE as the example, I would be saying, okay, AJ, this is where I'm going to, this is where you're going to be on my show. This is going to be the amount I'm going to spend on you in terms of marketability. Please be exclusive. That marketability has to be exclusive to me. You can go be AJ Sanchez anywhere else. I'll even give you pictures to use, but this is part of a grander vision. We do it bigger here. That's what they have to do. So that's my last point on that, and then we can move on. Okay, Mike. Um, we're we're going to move on to some mainstream wrestling because people seem to like us talking about it, even though you don't like to talk about it. But we're going to anyways. Um, Kenny Omega, there was a bit of a locker room meeting with AEW. Kenny Omega's a local. I can talk about him. He's not big league. He's, yeah, who? No, he's Kenny, a PCW Kenny, star. Kenny who? Yeah, no, he's from PCW. I can talk about him all the time. Um, so apparently during this meeting, he said he made some incendiary comments to the talent. Oh, yeah. And it just, uh, at first, they were just saying that he was the harshest at, at this meeting. And then sort of some of the comments broke out what they were. And I thought that they were counterproductive. And you you sent me the, the comments, so I'll let you tell us what they so are. So the, pers- yeah, let me put it into perspective. So Kenny, so Tony Khan had a crew meeting after an incident where... Eddie Kingston got into it with Sammy Guevara and they might, they got physical, but it was minor. Like nothing. Yeah, it was just a pie, pie, people, a pie face. Yeah, people yeah. get passionate. And there's a crew meeting and it probably has to do like, okay, so AEW is probably it starting to realize they're not the new shiny toy anymore. And I can imagine fantasy booker Tony Khan is sitting there just not reacting well to this because it's the first time in three years that they've faced this adversity. So a crew meeting was had and obviously Tony would have went to his vice presidents who are the young bucks and Kenny Omega. And he would have said, look, listen, you guys got to step up and say something. So Kenny Omega said is it's been attributed that Kenny Omega said, I wouldn't have booked eight out of 10 of you for my roster. Okay. So now imagine your Kenny Omega is probably one of the top five wrestlers in the world today. I will still say that even though he's allowed himself to be booked badly too many times, his program with Adam page did nothing for Kenny Omega. His program with Christian cage did nothing for Kenny Omega losing to Chris Jericho for the AEW title on the inception of the company. Didn't do a lot for Kenny Omega, although he got the title later. Um, And then he did the program with Moxley. Then he did a match with Pac where he put Pac over. I get what Omega's trying to do, right? He's trying to be a guy that builds other guys, but it hasn't done, he has to build himself. It's his first time on a national scale in the US. So when he says, I wouldn't have booked eight out of 10 of you, imagine if you were a pro sports team and your starting receiver said, 
80% of you aren't good enough to be on this team and yeah. I'm the best player in the locker room. Well, you're, you're screwed now. You've lost credibility. 100%. Yeah. Uh, this is the same thing in the Winnipeg Jet locker room that people say Mark Scheifele's bad for or Blake Wheeler, right? You can't do that. You, even if you think you're better than 80% of the roster, even if you think 80% of the roster is crap, then that means you think Tony Khan has done a really bad job. And let's be honest, Tony Khan has done a bad job. Dr. Luther, oh, sorry, I know he's your friend. That's okay, go ahead. Dr. Luther doesn't belong on that roster, right? right? And that's why there's so many guys like that. Like, um, Well, Dr. Luther got the friends contract, right? Yeah, but there should not be friends contracts. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like a guy like Luther, I feel like he has his role, but not on TV. He has his, and so he should be an agent? No, that's why he wrestles on Dark. I think he, he's a guy who can work with guys and give new guys some experience in the ring. I'm not saying he's a mechanic or I'm, I'm not saying he's Arn Anderson, but he's a guy that they can go and work. And He's can, over 50 years old. Uh, so is Chris Jericho. Yeah, but Chris Jericho is still a star. Luther's never been a star. Uh, but he's not, on, he's not on TV. He's in dark. Remember, that's what... Uh, that, that doesn't make it justifiable. No, it just gives guys a chance okay, to so wrestle. Okay, so we can debate like this point. It for could sure. get pretty animated. No, but he, there's no place for him on that roster. No, I, I disagree. There's a, pl there's a place for a guy like that on the roster. Same thing as Colt Cabana. There's a okay, so in t 2010, when I used Bushwhacker Luke, I used him because he was, a, he was on pace to become a... He became a WWE Hall of Famer yeah. because of his career. I wasn't using a guy who was a who was an obscure independent guy because he was Chris Jericho's friend and saying, "Oh, he belongs here because he's, why? Because he's Jericho's friend, or because like I don't think at fifty something years old you're, there's much juice left in that lemon to get much more out of him." No, no and and you're not wrong about that. I just think it's an um, sorry a situation of yeah, he got the friend contract. And now they're using they're using him how they should use him. Maybe he shouldn't be on the roster, but they're using him how he should be used. And perhaps he will transition so, into a back. Maybe he is doing that. We don't know. Like okay, I mean, perhaps he is working behind. The, I'm I'm not aware. Original point: Kenny Omega shouldn't have said it. Bad advice. Right, Don sorry, Callis yeah, yeah. should have coached him not to say it. On to the next point: Tony Khan's a terrible booker. I, I say it weekly. I should get that part sponsored. Here's the problem with Tony Khan: He went and signed it. Everybody he could get his hands on. I would love to be in that situation. Yeah. Um, but then, okay, so today it's Christian Cage. But, oh, he worked on CM Punk and Brian, and Brian Danielson. Then he got them. Now Christian Cage is not the player he was going to be, right? It pushed him down. And it, and it pushed, there's so much power at the top of that, of that contract. If you look at their entire contract yeah. uh, system, Danielson, Punk are the big two stars. They don't write Brian Danielson well. No. But terribly. And you miss it. Like, it's not like, oh, when we circle back to it, everyone's going to go, oh, well, you know, we spent a year where he was an obscure, like, mid-card. Like, I don't even know how to describe where you got Brian Danielson. And if you were, when you are a, are a writer or a booker, you always have a roster where you're like, oh, here's my depth. Here's my top guys. And here are my guys that are, yeah, right? But you don't want guys that are, yeah. and Luther wouldn't even fit in the yeah. guys. He'd be in the, okay, I did this deal because Chris Jericho asked me to. Sure, yeah. Right? And hey, Kenny Omega's gotten guys under deals that way, and so have so sure. the Bucks. So have the Bucks, yeah. Yeah, like it, it's just at a point where you have three hours of TV. WWE has five hours of TV or more. 
well, NXT, so seven. Yeah. So with three hours of TV, why are you allowing your roster to balloon in time and when you can't get the people into roles to feature? Well, and that's a big issue with AEW, and I don't know if they're going to do cuts like WWE. I don't think they will. I feel like it's all friends wrestling, as it's been said. No. I don't see them doing cuts, but they need to do cuts. I think they, they I think their roster has gotten too heavy, and unless they get the ROH, ROH thing off the ground... I'm Which, scared if they get the ROH thing off the ground because he's booked so badly. I don't know. So if, since he went from Dynamite to Dynamite and Rampage, the product has become diluted and not as good. Yeah. Because he didn't have a plan for the second show. Add to that, if he has Ring of Honor, it's going to become diluted part three. Well, and they're cutting the balls off Ring of Honor a little bit with with, you the, say that. with, with the new trios belt, because that was Ugh. a big thing in Ring of Honor was their three-man tag team division, and it was good there. It's a, I, generally, I think it's a bad it's idea. It's a novelty. But it was, they had... Um, let's have, let's Marty, have a little people Mar- championship. They had Marty Skrull and uh, I can't remember his faction in ROH, but they did it very, very well. They did the trios very, very well. In general, I think I, I think it's a bad idea. I just I just don't see it being something that's a long term bookable thing, and that's going to dovetail into something else we're going to talk about. Why would you have a else they have? Why would you have a division when you should have done a special, well, no, a one that, night tournament, uh, one night trios tournament, and they win a they win the trophy for the year like the Crockett no, Cup? That's a specific thing for ROH. Let them have the trios. Let that be an ROH thing. Yeah. Now they've put it in AEW. And Isn't it, the trios inspired by Mexico AAA and stuff? It, quite possibly. ROH is the only one that I'm super aware in of. In the States? Yeah, in the States, who did it and did it well. I don't know it's that been they done did it be, well. It's been done before, badly, but... Well, no, it wasn't bad when Dusty Rhodes and the Road Warriors and then get it, it who was it? Uh, Tenru, uh, Ten, Tenru and the Road Warriors were the six-man tag? Yeah, it wasn't. It was terrible. It was, yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> when the Von Erichs did it in Texas, terrible. Well, and that's the thing, too. Unless like, Lance was in there. It's a bad use of good guys, and we're seeing it now on All Elite Wrestling because Kenny Omega and the Bucks are teaming up for this what a way to bring Kenny Omega back. I don't know if it's over. By the way, I'm a couple weeks behind, but I know this is happening. They're, they've got Kenny Omega in the box going for this trios championship. And it's like, what a waste of Kenny Omega, your biggest, arguably, talent. Yeah. One of your biggest talents on the roster. And you've got him with these donkeys doing this. Well, the Bucks aren't donkeys, but the three of them together are donkeys and add Don Callis in there and you got the King donkey. And what's the deal with him? I I mean, I like Don Callis when he when they let him on the mic and talk and cut it like a serious promo. He doesn't. But he's acting su- like such a caricature. Every clip I see him, he's acting like a cartoon. Because he's trying to be relevant in Kenny Omega's vision of pro wrestling. He, yeah, That's Kenny yeah, Omega's yeah. vision of pro wrestling. And that I, I had this... Kenny and I, Kenny and I had a I remember a talk I had with Kenny way back 2002 before or 2003 before I left PCW and I said you cut it like you're passionate and you believe it and you hate the other guy. That's not how Kenny views wrestling. No. He knows he can outperform everyone so he doesn't have to hate his opponent because he can outperform him. So he never has to compete to be number 1. I always hearken back to Sean versus Brett. Yeah. Cuz the debate in the entire industry was which one was better. So they hated each other. And I don't think they hated each other. I think that's a work. But they were so competitive with each other that it led to tension. Yeah. And it made them work harder. I don't think that's a bad thing in any locker room. No. But anyway. Okay. Omega should never have said it. 
Don Callis should have coached him not to say it. CM Punk should have walked up to him and said, hey, dumbass, that is a stupid thing to say. And Omega should have clarified the comments on Twitter and said, hey, I said this about my, about the, my locker room. I don't really believe that. I actually believe that we have the best locker room in wrestling and 80% of the locker room is amazing. And 20% is still really, really good. He, he could have turned it around even after. He might've been trying to light a fire, but it's the wrong way to do it. You he never came across arrogant and he came across. You don't light a, a fire with leader. negativity. That's all. I can light a fire with negativity. No, not, not like Mike that. Keenan was the best coach in hockey because of negativity. I often use yeah, negativity. the last time you heard his name one of the best coaches of all time. I've often used negativity to get to inspire people. It's not a bad bosses do it all the time. Hey, your performance isn't what I need it to be. I know you're capable of more, but this is horse crap. If you can't pick it up, you're not going to be here. And I know you're capable of more. So it's negative, but there's also positive laced in there. Yeah. But that that's it. You've laced the positive in that comment. For, I mean, we don't know what else he said. So I guess we're just, you know, spitballing here. But that comment, if we're just going off that, it's straight negative. It's a bad look. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on now. Um, I was speaking with a friend of a friend of the show, a, a, a ardent listener, my friend Travis. Uh, we were talking about wrestling and promotions and stuff like that. And this is a while back, but it just sort of jogged my memory today. And he he just he we were talking about what is the minimum it would take to start up. Uh, a group, and we're not talking about a spot show. A but promotion. He, but yeah, what's the minimum dollar amount to get going? And he said, you know, like like 10K. I was like, no. You, uh, I was like, you can't. You could start for 10K. 3D started for way less than that. Buying a ring? No. Yeah, see, that's the thing. Thank you for clarifying. You, you've got to, if you want your own ring and you want to get going, uh, like I don't even, uh, honestly, I personally don't know what a ring costs anymore. So I don't know. I remember it used to be, X amount of dollars. And well, when it, WFX was starting up, we bought two high spot rings and right. they were $12,000 each. Yeah. And that's what I remember is the high spot rings were like 10. And they were the best and well, as good as you could get in the industry. 10 to 12 K worth every penny. Now they're probably 15 to 18. Who knows with the way uh, yeah, I haven't looked. prices have gone up with, uh, with metal. So what are like, what are the minimums to, to get going? And we'll just, so I can clarify. Yeah. How much time do I have? You have as much time as you want. You always say that, but then you tell me I went too long. Um, <laughs> okay, so this is a lot like we talked about at the start of the show, which is good. It fits the theme of the show. Um, and this isn't part of the soon-to-be-sponsored mailbag? This is no, different? Okay. this is different. Okay, thanks, Travis, for the question. I actually got asked this recently by somebody who wanted to invest in a wrestling company. And it was a very flattering conversation that we had, but I wasn't interested in pursuing what he was willing to do. Jeff Dick, it was always, the talk was always seven figures because I said three years is going to be seven figures. Today, I would start with that same dialogue, but I would probably budget it or forecast it differently. Nobody's coming up with a million dollars to invest in local no, wrestling. No, no. And let, let's look at this from the... From the Practical, from, independent wrestling exactly. company. We're starting 3D Pro. It doesn't so, exist. We're starting it. First and foremost, there's things you have to do first. You have to have a venue and a vision before you even think about having someone invest what are you going to try to present? What is your vision? Now, some companies think it's great to run six shows in one city in a year. And they're going to run 12. There's no, nothing to invest in there. There's really not. Don't, you know, save up money, buy a ring, run your six shows. Some are going to make money. Some are going to lose. Just have fun. I don't like that. That would not be something that would be overly interesting to me. 
I would look at it differently. Oh, we have to get tickets to give away to show two today. That's we got to right. mention. Uh, sorry, I'm digressing. <laughs> um, but I would say this. I would want, if I was going to run a local independent wrestling company, PCW, I can tell you, John Newen was in for 40000 I believe was his number. And that was with the Eddie Guerrero show to kick it off in 2002. And I, and Shellcross and I were put on payroll at that time. So it ran out pretty fast because of the payroll aspect, but the actual wrestling operations wasn't losing. We bought the ring from Bobby J. Um, with inflation, I, I don't really know what wrestlers are charging. And I know the wrestlers are trying to sting guys for bigger paydays, despite the economics being what they were five years ago. Could you, could you get things going with 20, 20 grand? Not so. You're, you're well. You're buying the ring because if I mean we're talking shoestring here, but you're buying the ring and let's. Just, so you're going to buy an American ring, or you're going to build one in Canada? Let's just say you build it in Canada and it costs you twelve grand. Let's no, it wouldn't cost it. you that much. I think you can get it for five or six. If you built it, yeah, you went to a metal. metal yeah, if you fab. had the plans, you could probably build it for five, maybe less than five or six. But I'd say five or six. Then the other problem is, do you build a sixteen or an eighteen? Eighteen. I go 18, especially if you ever have plans of doing television production or video production. 18, it, it, I get it, that it's tougher for, for venues at times, but you're you're, the, ho- you're hoping to get into a venue that... Yeah, the Mike Davidson scale is different because I would always want to use bigger names, talent, and try to establish credibility that way. But I think you could do it for $30,000. You're going to want to have some money to build a great website and a marketing collateral yeah. to make yourself look real. Um, you're going to want good graphic design. You're going to want the ability to rent a venue that can hold four or 500 people to build towards, even though you know you're going to draw one or two to start. You want to be able to impress upon those people with the quality of your product, of your promotion and your, and your, um, and that's without television. If right. your television is a completely different animal. Um, but yeah, I would 40 or 50. And then, and the way I would structure it, being a big dragon's den watcher is I would charge $16 a ticket average. And I would have a $2 royalty on every ticket until the person got return on investment. And that would be on top of any profits that they got a piece of. There might not be profits, but I would, I would build a royalty into the ticket price in order for the investor to start seeing money from day one. Um, And I would have a plan. You can't just run it as one city. You got to have like, you got to have like Winnipeg, Brandon or Winnipeg, Thompson. Yeah. Eight hour drive. That's a tough one. Danny's got Thunder Bay pretty sewn up. So Winnipeg Thunder Bay is an option. I think it's an eight hour split. You got to have towns. You got to have, you got to have a plan to build. You want to say, okay, so I would have it like this. Winnipeg, I want to get to where we're going to draw three or 400 people. And that's going to be a monthly venue. Yeah, I mean, and and before we move to that, like the the towns, the available towns in, let's just use Manitoba for example. There's some good towns available. There. I don't know if there is Winkler. I don't know about Winkler. It's a t- it's tough to book. So is Brandon though. Brandon's all Brandon is notoriously tough to book for some reason. It's not that it's tough to book. It's tough to draw. Well, that's what I mean. It's, yeah. it's tough to draw in Brandon. It's tough to draw. the culture in Brandon. And, I lived there a couple times. Yeah, and and they just they're not wrestling fans. And I don't understand why, because it would seems like it would be cut right from their cloth. Because I think they're cut. It's cut from their cloth to like curling and hockey as yeah. their two main sports. They're not even really football fans, to be honest. Right. They like baseball in the summer, 
Uh, they like their golf. Yeah. It's just wrestling. Cause okay. So you have to understand wrestling is a very generational, uh, fan base. So if their dads didn't like wrestling in the nineties, how are they going to develop a like yeah. now? Right. A lot of times kids like wrestling cause dad put it on TV and they watched dad watch it and they got into it. Or it's the cartoon action figure way draws them in. Yeah. Here's what I would do. Okay. I'm going to tell you quickly, and I know we're running heavy on time. Um, I would build, if I'm taking Winnipeg as where I would build, I would build Winnipeg as a monthly venue on the 20th of the month. So it coincides with child tax, right? Child tax. If that's on a Thursday or the Wednesday, that would sort of be, I want to be in that range every month. Cause that's when you're going to get, and I market heavy to parents. So I'd be a family friendly, uh, company. And then I, if, if I was going to run, say Thompson or, you know, uh, those underserviced entertainment markets, yep. I would try to run Thompson or the paw to be the day that the child tax hits the bank account and hope that I drew all those kids. I, and I do a flyer. I do a Canada post flyer that would come out three days before the show. So that way you got three days of anticipation. That way they don't see it, forget about it or see it. And it wears off on them. They see it on the Monday and on the Thursday you're in town. So they, they, it's three days of, Oh, I can't wait to go. Yeah. Um, and I think it would work. You, you would generate three, if you can generate three, four or 500 P fans, you can afford to bring in an imported talent and pay your local talent. Well, and then I would work with them on sharing the revenues that were created off my hard work because it, it would be the promoter's work that brought the fans that generated the, the dollars. So I should get the first take on that. Yes. That's my take on it. Uh, and I could go on and on and on. That actually should have been the theme of an entire episode and we could have whiteboarded it out and, and, and it would just be spitballing. And we'll revisit that. I hope, you know what? I laughed when that wrestler told me you're 12 years out of touch because the problem actually is for 12 years, they've evolved to cutting corners yeah. and stopped thinking about 500 as a goal and started being happy with 200. And that's the reality. Let me tell you something. And I know I got to wrap this up. <laughs> One of the things that used to happen during my time in PCW, TRCW and WFX. So AWE, PCW, TRCW and WFX. If somebody was starting up in the marketplace and I was the, it, there was, it was a big dog syndrome. I'm going to be the big dog and I'm not going to let the little dog get any ground on what I do. So now you have CWE and you have Winnipeg Pro and you have 3D and you have Primos and maybe PCW at some point and maybe another promoter is going to come in there and do a show. Six people vying for the marketplace. I would, I would have big dogged it. I would have run a schedule that was consistent enough that nobody would have got traction. And I would have tried to do it better than all of them so that they couldn't get their legs under them. I would have outcompeted them. That's not happening here. It's all one big happy playground. It's one big happy sandbox. And until there's competition amongst the promoters, you aren't going to see a greater effort to draw new fans. All right, Mike, let's go to a break. We're going to come back with the soon to be sponsored mailbag. The Total Bees She's Show releases new episodes every Monday. Follow the Total Bees She's Show on Twitter at Total Bees She's, on Instagram at Total Bees She's, or search us on Facebook, Total Bees She's. This is Wayne Stanton from Episode 6 of the Total Bees She's Show. If you're not listening to this podcast, 
I think you're a coward. All right, Mike, we do have some tickets to give away for a sold-out event. This is the type of thing that Total Beaches has a has access to. Tickets to these sold-out events. Mike, Winnipeg Pro Wrestling, they've got a sold-out show coming up September 9th. West End Cultural Center here in Winnipeg. Great venue. Great venue. Doors open at 6 p.m. And it's sold out, so don't bother going to check right now. Go check out their social media, but don't bother going to check to buy tickets because you can't get them. But we got a couple. So we've got a couple for giveaway, and it's actually not Winnipeg Pro Wrestling that gave them to us. Although they've invited us as guests, I'm they, actually going to check it out. We were all, yeah, we're, we're going to We be might there. have a special surprise there. I'm not hitting the ring. I'm past that point. But <laughs> we might you. have a surprise coming up at September 9th, Winnipeg Pro Wrestling. But actually, very good friend of the show, Dave Cote, had two tickets, and he's not going to be able to make it. So rather than him sell them, and they're hot tickets, he probably could have sold them, he said, would you like to give them away on the show? And that was mighty generous of him. Very generous. So I'm going to tell him, we don't have t-shirts yet, but when we do, I'm going to send him two t-shirts in return. Yeah, we're working out t-shirts yeah. right now, but Dave, you're definitely getting something. Yeah. You're, getting, you're going to get swagged. Yeah, so we have two tickets to the show. It's called Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter. No, the referee, the referee is dead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love those names. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I'm looking forward forward to the show and if you if you want tickets here's what you need to do you need to go to our social media you can go to instagram you can go to facebook you can go to no those are the two uh, twitter you can go to twitter too and you are going to like our 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 social media and share it and then send us a message that says i want the tickets and we're going to give, well, we're going to give one lucky winner a pair of two to Winnipeg Pro Wrestling. Don't tell mom the referee is dead. I don't know how the referee died. Maybe that's going to be told on the show. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be very critical of the booking, and I'm going to give a complete analysis of how they did their business. So thank you for inviting me, but you know what happens when I come is I'm going to be very honest with how they do things. I've been, very, I've been a very big fan of the way they do things, so I'm looking forward to this. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing the venue. I'm looking forward to being there and seeing some old friends. And maybe, you know what? Maybe there's a little surprise with the Total Beaches. We'll see. Absolutely. So keep your eye out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. There will be specific posts. You'll, it'll be obvious which one it has. you have to share and do all the stuff. We'll have all the instructions. And yeah, just give us some love and perhaps you will win some tickets. All right, it's time now for the soon-to-be-sponsored mailbag. When is it going to be sponsored? We're working on it. I'm and by we, I mean me. And by me, I mean you. Because okay. I think you're doing it. So uh, One of us is going to One of us is doing it. We got another one from Dave Cote. So let's start with him. The weekly Dave Cote the weekly question. The weekly Dave Cote. And because he gave us some tickets this week, I'm going to put him right at the top of the pile. He's always at the top of the pile, man. Uh, okay, so he said, Thanks for another great episode, guys. Stampede Wrestling was my favorite territory. It seems so real. As a kid, I was terrified of Abdullah the Butcher. Uh, this one is for both of you guys. How do you think the Regina wrestling scene can get to the level Winnipeg and Alberta are at, especially the women? I haven't seen a live women's match since before COVID. Thanks again. Looking forward to the next episode. Do you want me to answer that first? You go ahead. Danny Duggan, take note. Dave Cote wants to see women in Regina. And Danny, you're the guy that kind of is running that market. The, I think... 
and ringside maybe is running Regina. Yeah. Here's what I think. Um, it's going to take, I remember in 1997, I, I started refereeing in Regina for hardcore wrestling and that was massive damage and Buster Douglas who, or Buster Brody rather, who became uh, Charlie Hayes. They had, a, they had a really good roster, real green roster, but good guys, Todd Myers, Rex Roberts, Crusher Carlson, eventually Wavell Star broke in in yep. that situation. Uh, Mel McGee was a part of that and uh, Scotty Sims there it was so much fun and they ran the exhibition auditorium which was like the most iconic wrestling venue in western Canada behind what they have in Calgary so cool yeah Yeah. such a cool venue Um, here's what I think a business plan a a vision for what you want to do in Regina and try to excite the wrestling fans that are there to get excited about it now my belief is that when you do a, a demographic breakdown of a market, you can tell what markets could draw based on age, based on viewing habits, based on how WWE draws in that market, right? And then you cater your marketing to what you find out in your demographic breakdown. And you try to, and a lot that's very inside baseball for a lot of promoters. A yep. lot of promoters think, hey, I got to set up a ring and people are going to come. I think you have to go deeper than that. You have to go in there with an actual business plan of what you want to accomplish and how you're going to accomplish and how many times you're going to run shows there, what style of venue you're going to run, what style of product you're going to run, what's going to generate. I think if you're running a wrestling product right now, Mentolo is the best guy you can have on your roster because he's going to cater to the kids the most because he's like a superhero and he can you can sell masks or team with him to sell masks, however it is. He is like the Rey Mysterio of Canadian wrestling. Um and I think you need to have two or three, like a good babyface tag team would go a long way. Hey, there hasn't been a Rockers or Rock and Roll Express in yeah. 20, 25 years. Why is nobody, why is no promoter saying, hey, let's get a tag team together that's going to really melt the hearts of the fans? Um, I would develop a product that's going to generate f- fan interaction that way, but it's going to be a plan. I don't know that anybody. Because for Danny, he's got so many, so many towns. I don't think he puts a specific business plan specific to Regina. No. So it might be someone like Wavell that just decides he's going to do it and he's got the right vision. It might be someone like, well, Tony's 80 years old. I don't know that he's going to want to invest in running six shows or 12 shows in the market. It will happen, but it's going to be somebody who listen to this podcast listen to all the intangibles that get ignored by independent promoters and start to put together a plan with those intangibles. And then you have a shot. That's my opinion. And I'm sorry it was self-grandizing when I said that you have to listen to this podcast, take some of the ideas, but the ideas aren't bad. No. And okay. So here's my, here's my thing. You want to grab a little bit of that H I W flavor. So you want to grab some. Danny's got that though. You want to grab some, but if you're, we're talking about, somebody else running. We're not talking about Danny running. Okay. If you're, if you're somebody else and you're wanting to run, you want to grab some of that HIW flavor so you can bring in the old stalwart fans, but you do want to update your presentation. So you grab some of the new fans. That's something you've banged. That's the drum you've banged several times. You're not, you don't want the fans that are already going to come. You do want the fans, but you, but you work harder to get new fans. Exactly. The fans that are going to come, they're going to come and you give them uh, Rex Roberts or who, whomever is available. I suppose King Cash. I don't know if he's working anymore, but he's, I think he's with Danny. Yeah. He's in fantastic shape. Yeah, he looks I, like a million dollars. Something like that, and that, that's where I would start. I'd start right at the very bottom with my roster and and go from there. All right, so we're moving on. Uh, one one last thing yeah, I was going to say that that dovetailed into our earlier discussion 
very nicely when you asked how much would it cost to start up? Yeah, exactly. So you hear, so, so Dave Cote brings up a market that's underserviced or, or on its ass. Yes. That's where you want to start with a market on its ass that you're going to get in there and figure out the recipe, the, the menu that the chef is going to put together that draws everyone to your restaurant. There you go. You need a market like that. And Regina is a good town. I don't care what anybody, anybody says. Great town for wrestling. All right. Uh, another question in this one coming from Tyson. He says, I've been watching a lot of all elite wrestling and it seems like they've got way too many championship belts. What do you guys think about that? And, uh, you know, to his point, <laughs> here's, here's all the championships. They got the TBS women's, the world's women's, the AEW world heavyweight championship, the all Atlantic championship, the TNT championship, men's tag, the now the trios, they're also featuring the AAA Tag Team Championships on FTR. They've got the ROH Tag Team Belts, the ROH Pure Championship, the ROH Heavyweight Championship, and the FTW <laughs> Championship. That's all the champion. That's I'm going to assume I'm going to assume you ran through that in order of importance, and the TBS Women's Championship is the most important on the list. Definitely not. <laughs> well. Um, that is the biggest indictment of why Tony Khan is a Mark Booker I've ever heard. Um, it's like when I used to play Booker of the World when I was a kid, and Robbie Royce used to laugh at me, but I used to write, I used to get all the wrestling magazines and I'd write rosters for every conceivable wrestling company that actually existed, and I'd rebook it. Yeah. Every company I'd run, I, I'd imaginary shows for, for NWA for while well, this was a little bit after that. It was like uh, ECW, WWF, WCW, USWA, um, Smoky Mountain, River City Wrestling in Winnipeg, WFWA. And I'd have like six, but then you'd, some rosters only had six guys like WFWA. Yeah. I only knew of six guys. So then I had to say, Oh, well, maybe Tony could get Greg Gagne and, yeah. and and Jim Brunzel to come up, and and I give him and I fake book the entire territory, and I wanted all these belts because they were important. Um, Tony Khan is the worst booker of a major league wrestling company I can ever think of since maybe Herb Abrams. No, because WCW. Uh, I'm thinking. Uh, Vince Russo, then Kevin Sullivan really went bad. And then they had like 99, 2000 WCW yeah, was, was kind of rough. So whoever was the bookers then after Kevin Nash and even maybe including Kevin Nash, Tony Khan. But the problem is he has no respect. Like nobody trusts his instincts. And that's why when he says, oh, we're going to have an extra belt. Is he doing it for merchandising reasons? No. no. Is he doing it to appeal to belt collectors? Probably not. He's probably doing it because, oh, we can use this belt to make it, uh, to make Pac bigger and better. No, you f idiot. No. Book better. Book based on hatred yeah. and you will get further. But he doesn't get it. And now we're seeing it bleed over, I think, a little bit into the NWA because they're bringing back the United States Tag Team Championship, Ugh. which I love that Tag Team Championship, BT-Dub, but... Book your tag teams that you have now better. How, They're not being booked good enough in How NWA. many guys can Billy Corgan uh, afford to have on the roster? Well, that's the thing. Because if any time, like when I booked WFX and we had the tag team titles on Sanchez and Chevy, I had six teams vying to become number one contender to take them on, maybe even more. 
if you can't have six teams chasing one champion, and so you think about it, if you have five belts, that means you need to have a roster of 30 different entities. Yeah. Tag teams is actually two, right? So it's got to be a tag team I consider a single entity, right? It's not good. It's cut the crap and focus on world heavyweight title, uh, television title, tag team titles. And if you really want to go there, go go light heavyweight. Yeah. But that's all. Thank you. And Mike, before we get too far down the dusty trails, we uh, want to make mention of uh, a past guest of the Total BC Show, Wayne Stanton, receiving a uh, first place honors from the Agora Speakers International. Uh, of course, we talked about this uh, a few weeks ago, but now we have the audio and we're going to play it. Congratulations, Wayne. First place in the humorous speech contest. My fellow Agorians, my fellow friends, in 1979, I was a student at the University of Manitoba in Winnipeg, Canada. One of my classmates and one of my best friends was a young man named Amjad Janaid. Now, I wanted to be an engineer when I was at university. Amjad wanted to be a professional wrestler. Yes, a professional wrestler. And every week he'd keep me updated on how his training was going. He would say, Wayne, I'm four months away from my first match. I'm three months away. I'm two months away. I'm four weeks away. I'm two weeks away. Finally, a week before his first match, he said, Wayne, I need your help. I said, how can I help you become a better professional wrestler, Amjad? He says, could you be my manager? I said, what does a manager do? He says, well, you come to the ringside with me and you act as a distraction. Uh, what happens if uh, if I'm winning the match? You act like a cheerleader. You get the fans to get more excited and you rev up the crowd. And then if I'm losing you, you become like my emotions. You, you act as if you're in pain, as if you're feeling my pain. And this will give me a little bit of time in the ring, says Amjad. I can collect my thoughts. I can you know, think a little bit slowly, you know, because it is my first match. I said, Amjad, I would be happy to do that. So the day finally came. It was Amjad's first match. He was going to be wrestling the notorious caveman Broda. Caveman Broda, about 300 pounds. He looked like a caveman. He had the big, long, black beard, and uh, he wore the caveman outfit, but he also wore this black T-shirt over his caveman outfit. Now, caveman Broda was, in fact, Amjad's wrestling teacher. And for months, they had worked on this match, worked on this match, and worked on this match. So they had it down to a T. They knew exactly what was going to happen in the match. Now, before the match started, we sat in the dressing room. There was Amchad. There was myself. And uh, there was Caveman Broda. And uh, he explained to me, Broda said, now, Wayne, do not interfere under no circumstances. Me and Amjad. Now, Amjad had already picked a gimmick. He was going to be Prince Ali. Yes, Prince Ali from the Disney movie was going to wrestle Caveman Broda. But Broda says to me in the dressing room, now, don't interfere in any way. Everything we knew is choreographed. It's predetermined. And so do not interfere. You can be the cheerleader. You can be the feeling of the pain for Prince Ali. But do not interfere in the match under any circumstances. I said, I got it. I can handle that. And so the day of the match came. And the match was about to begin. First out comes Caveman Broda. Ooga chaka, ooga chaka, ooga chaka. Fans are crazy. They boo, boo, we hate you, Caveman Broda. 
he gets into the ring, and then the music comes on for Prince Ali, my friend Amjad. And uh, he comes through the curtain to the music, Prince Ali, da 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 just like the Disney movie, though. People are clapping, 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 kids are dancing because Prince Ali has entered the wrestling ring. Well, that was a great start for my friend Amjad, but it did not look good in the match because what happened was caveman Broda started just giving him a beating, pounding him on the head, throwing him from coast to coast, from pillar to post, so to speak. Every once in a while, he let Amjad have a little bit of offense. He let him do a somersault off the top rope and things like that uh, because that's what he did. He was a very athletic young man, my friend Amjad. But finally, near the end of the match, what happens is the notorious, nefarious caveman Broder pulls a rope out of his trunks and he starts choking my friend Amjad with it. He's choking with him. The crowd are going to do something, disqualify him. The referee runs up to him and says, stop choking him with that rope. And caveman Broder turns around, smacks the guy, goes flying in the corner. The referee is knocked unconscious. Oh, my God, the crowd's going nuts now. He comes back to my friend Amjad. He's choking him more, choking. The kids are screaming, Wayne, get in there. Go help him. You're his manager. You're his friend. Do something. I'm thinking to myself, I'm not supposed to do anything. I've been told to stay right here. I'm not supposed to interfere. They're going to do something. You coward. Ah, that was enough. I, I got a shot of adrenaline and I jumped into the ring. What was I going to do? I don't know. So I ran up to the back of the caveman Broder, who's still choking Prince Ali. I grabbed the back of his T-shirt. I feel I'm going to tug it back a little bit, and he's going to feel the resistance, and he's going to play along and go back with me. I pull the shirt. I pull too hard. He doesn't have any give. I pull the shirt. I rip his shirt right off. I'm standing there holding Caveman Broda's T-shirt in my hand. He turns around and he's angry. Wait, you son of a gun, he says. And he gets up. What could I do? I, I fell to the floor. I rolled out of the ring. And with a thud, I hit. Well, I hit the floor. Oh, I think I'm safe. I look up. I see Caveman Broda flying over the top rope, chasing me. I go, what would I do now? What could I do? I started crawling underneath the ring. I'm crawling underneath my nice uh, bright you know, like suit. I'm crawling, and Broda's trying to reach me, but he's too big to get under the ring. But he's reaching, come back, come back, come back, come back. He grabs my shoe, he pulls my shoe off. I crawl to the other side of the ring like a little mouse. I run on the other side of the ring, and I start running for the door. I'm running for the door, and all of a sudden I hear a whiff past my ear. He throws my shoe at me. The shoe hits the wall in front of me. I don't know what to do. I pick up the shoe, I turn around, I throw it back at Caveman Broda. It bounces off his head. No, he's really mad. He chases me towards the door. I head out the door. I run out the building. And I keep running and running for about, well, for about 10 minutes. And finally, I think, you know, he's probably not behind me anymore. You see, because Caveman Broda, well, he's a professional. And he knows that, well, all the paying fans are in the building. And it doesn't do him any good to chase Wayne down the street just to get a little bit of revenge. Oh, so I thought, great, I'm safe. Next day at university, <laughs> I see my friend Amjad, and Amjad's chuckling. He says, how did you enjoy yourself at the wrestling show? I said, I did not like it that much, Amjad. How about you? He says, I loved it. And then he said to me, and Wayne, I got you a souvenir from the show. I said, what did you bring me, Amjad? He says, here, I brought you your shoe, and it gives me back my shoe. And that is my experience in the wild world of professional wrestling, Mr. Contest Chair. 
All right, and that's it for another week. We're going to put a bow on this one, Mike. You're going to head down the dusty trail. I'm going to head down the dusty trail, and I'll see you again next week, buddy. Well, the boss called me up and said, come in to work. I just hung up on that slave-driving jerk. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. Well, you'd think I'd rather be sweating on a dock or watching somebody use a hammer lock. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, I love to watch the missing link bang his head on a corner post. And the romper bumper butt butt delivered by the ice man. The Freebirds, Roberts, Hayes, and Gardy, but what I like the most is Kerry delivering the iron claw as only the Vaughn Erics can. Well, the boss called again, said it's time and a half. You'll come in tonight, and I just had to laugh. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R A S S L I N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, my girlfriend called and friend, she could be a model for Fredericks of Hollywood, but she was hassling, really hassling. Said I could come over early and stay real late, but I told her, honey, if we have a date, we're going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Kevin Von Erich, when he's really high and flying, I like to see Ric Flair, but he's out there strutting. Andre the Giant must be seven foot nine. Well, I wouldn't miss this for a dozen girls, and I wouldn't miss this for nothing. I said, honey, I hope you ain't hurt. She said, I'm putting on my wrestling shirt. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, last night I dreamed my life was over. There was golden streets and fields of clover and the lights. They were dazzling. I looked for old St. Peter at the pearly gates. I found a note that said, I won't be too late. I'm going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. There's gentleman Chris Adams with his super kick in place. Young Mike Von Erich with his own iron claw. And I'll never forget the classic matches of the 70s and 80s. Two champions, Harley Race and David Von Erich. St. Peter told me as he let me in, from now on, every Monday and Friday, Glenn, we're going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Boy, if I'd known this was going to happen, I wouldn't have bought those advanced tickets. By the way, St. Pete, are you sure these wings will fit in a ringside seat? Is Fritz coming up here anytime soon?